Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I'm excited, Amy. Why is that? Uh, you probably weren't expecting that after the week we've had. It's I'm been excited a week. because we got to meet Zach McCuller. Yes, we did. That was a real highlight of this week. It was. It was. Ten-year-old Zach McCuller. We'll talk a little bit more about him. We got a a whole article. He's got a whole article in Baptist Press about himself. Well deserved. How many ten-year-olds have an article in Baptist Press? I mean, there's. It's only down from here, Amy. He's reached the pinnacle. Oh no! I think there are many, many more things ahead for Zach. I, I think so as well. Yeah. But we met him this week. We tweeted out a picture. I misspelled his name. I'm sorry, Zach. I spelled it later correctly. But he was at the EC meeting and, and gave a presentation to the full board. Did a great job. He did do a great job. And uh, and now there's a children's ministry day, which is special to me because my wife is a children's minister. And uh, we have an official children's ministry day in July. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll, we'll, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, though, Amy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. But But a good week. Uh, here in Nashville, a busy week, a very full week. I've spent more time at the SBC building this week than I think any week that I can remember. Yeah, it it was a it was a busy week, and uh, Keith and I were there as well. Came from Wake Forest and spent a couple of days. This is not the first time I have been to the SBC building since Lifeway moved, uh, but it, it it has not gotten any more normal to look out those windows and see that big gaping hole. Yes. Next, uh, next door. But it was a busy couple of days and uh, got to catch up with a lot of people. So, uh, so really, really nice to, to see some friends. Yes, it was. And it was good to see you. Uh, you came in for a press conference. You also opened the EC meeting in prayer. We'll talk a little bit about that. We're kind of, I keep getting ahead of myself here. There was so much going on. Uh, but uh, it, it was good to see you. And, and you were even quoted in USA Today this week. Yeah. Capping off quite a week because you were in... The USA Today, Keith's First Things article, which we discussed last week, right? it ran in the Houston Chronicle this week. Yeah, yeah. So they did a, a reprint, had a little bit of a different title, uh, but it was kind of a rerun of of that. They had reached out and asked if they could uh, could have that, and so that was good for him. Yeah, so all the Whitfields getting ink this week, so that's pretty nice. Well, before we get going, Amy, though, we do want to thank our sponsor. Last month, there was some exciting news out of Boyce College, the undergraduate school at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Al Moeller and Matt Hall announced a new bachelor's degree program at Boyce in communication. This new program promises cutting-edge training in the complexities of communication fields for the 21st century with the biblical and theological studies you would expect from Southern Seminary and Boyce College. You can find out more about this new program at boycecollege.com slash communication. It was good to see both Dr. Moeller and Matt Hall this week. Uh, we saw a lot of friends. It, like The EC meeting is like a big family reunion, all jammed in like two days. Right, right. And sometimes, it, you know, there are folks that you, you don't really get a chance to talk to at the annual meeting because there's so much going on and everyone is busy. And uh, so at the EC meeting, you sort of run into each other in the hallway or, you know, or, or sometimes even get a chance to grab lunch with a group of people. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of nice. It's kind of one of these in-between times that you, you get to catch up with some folks. Yeah, and it's always good to, to meet some new people, too. We, uh, I, you and I had, with some others, had lunch and met Travis Trawick over at Southwestern. Yes, from Southwestern. Uh, who's on the staff there. And I, I'd never met Travis, but we got to enjoy lunch with him and a few other friends. 
on uh, Tuesday, and it's just a, a good time. So that was it was fun. Yep, it was great. All right, let's move into the news of the week, Amy. The big news coming out of Monday night, J.D. Greer and his presidential address brought forth a gospel above all theme and also tackled the recent news of sex abuse in the SBC and laid out 10 points uh, that he would like to see, you know, 10 action steps, I guess, for the SBC. Yes. Yeah, so, of course, this was the big, uh, it was kind of the big address of Monday night. And Monday night, in the, the way that the executive committee meeting works is Monday night is a plenary session. So that is open. It's the entire executive committee. And so there is usually an opening devotional. There are some, some reports. And then the president comes and gives greetings or an address. So that's pretty normal. Uh, and so this time, a lot of people were expecting a pretty big address because of the Houston Chronicle article uh, coming out last week. But this was actually something that President Greer indicated he was already planning to talk about because of the Sexual Abuse Advisory Group. There had been planned to give an update. Now, they will give a report in Birmingham uh, that's a a more uh, comprehensive one. But he was planning to give an update. And in that update, he brought 10 recommendations. So the first half really focused on some of the other areas of emphasis that he has laid out before gospel above all which is going to be the theme of this year's convention talked a lot about diversity and discussed uh, recent committee appointments which we talked about that as well as who's your one the new evangelism initiative and uh, just some some other things by way of update Uh, but then the advisory group report i would say that was kind of the bigger portion of the address where he laid out the 10 points of action Everything from repentance to urging churches to be serious about ordination practices to talk about things we might do in terms of governing documents, which that actually came up uh, on Tuesday. And then at the end, talked about the seriousness of standards of cooperation. Uh, So it was a very big speech. It was. It is one of the probably most anticipated and most discussed presidential addresses I can remember at least being present for. The last presidential address that I felt was like as big as this was the Bryant Wright one in 2012. Whenever he announced the results of the name change, that right. I mean, it was it was up there at that level. I mean, like okay. the interest and the the number of people in the room. It was a full house on Monday night for yeah, that, it really was. and then a lot of business on Tuesday. But before JD, I think we do need to point this out. I mentioned it at the top of the show with you opening in prayer. Before J.D. got up there and at the beginning, we did have a time of prayer and lament. And and Mike Stone, I thought, led phenomenally well in that to open up the EC meeting. Yeah, it really was uh, an incredible moment of leadership from him. So Mike Stone is the chairman of the executive committee. He was elected in June of last year. Also a listener of the podcast. Yeah. Yes, he is. He is a listener. We got shout outs from Mike Stone. During the plenary. I know. You were pretty excited about that, weren't you? I was. Um, I was. Yeah, I heard you said that to me later. But he was elected last June as chairman of the executive committee. And he's expressed before that this issue of abuse is very important to him. It's very heavy on his heart. And he really wants to take it seriously. And he just set the tone for 
uh, for the evening and for the next day, set the tone for the whole meeting of how the executive committee needed to just needed to approach things. And, uh, and then he got very personal and shared um, how this was a, an issue that was personal to him. And so it, it just, I think, put everybody in the m- mindset that they needed to be in. And so I felt like that was an important part of the night, and I, I really, really appreciated it. Yeah, it, it was one of the most moving openings I've seen at, yes. at a meeting, uh, just in general. Forget right. the context, you know, just the EC. Any church-related meeting that I've ever been to, that was the most moving opening right. that I can possibly remember. Yeah, it was a it was a real uh, evening of leadership for sure, all the way around. Yeah, and then after the plenary, there was the press conference. We mentioned that, and right, you were actually on the the panel up there at the press conference. Yeah, I think that you know that was just a time for, especially after the address, and there had been so much question about the advisory group. Uh, and there were several members of the press there. So it was an opportunity if people had questions about it. And so one of the reasons, you know, uh, of course, President Greer was there and Dr. Russell Moore, because the ERLC has been involved in that as the motion um, was re- referred to them. So they've been working together. And then there are several women, both inside the SBC and outside the SBC, who have played different roles uh, in this discussion and have gotten to speak in, you know, just from our experiences or how this is personal to us. And so because of that, you know, it's a very fluid group, doesn't doesn't meet all like a task force or anything, but because of some of my participation in those discussions, uh, it was just good to have, you know, a couple of leaders, but then someone else who who could share from that as well. So I didn't, you know, I don't get a lot of the official questions, but I did, uh, as you said, I did get to answer a little bit about what it's like to be a woman in the SBC and uh, and things like that. So I, I appreciated I appreciated the opportunity to participate. Yeah, the only issue I had with the press conference is that you were introduced with your official title of communications director at Southeastern Seminary instead of SBC This Week co-host. So, oh, yeah. Sorry yeah, about that. That one hurt a little bit. It's it's but, okay. Yeah. It's okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll forgive Daniel Patterson. It's okay. We'll be all right. So yeah. that brought us to Tuesday. And wow, what a lot of business went on Tuesday. Yeah, it was a very, a very busy day. Um, and for those who haven't been to the executive committee, you know, Monday night's the, the plenary session. Tuesday's a really different day. It's a lot of committee meetings everywhere. Um, but most of them are, are open to the public. You know, any, anybody can, can come. And so what you will see will be primarily, uh, media, which a lot of times is just state, you know, papers, but state Baptist papers or entity leaders, you know, because a lot of things, a lot of the business that's get, that gets done may affect them. So the cooperative program committee, uh, where we were in, that always ends up having a lot of entity folks in there because they're talking about things that affect us. And so you have kind of some seats over to the side that just get to sit in there and listen. And uh, they just get to sit in there and listen to what's going on. And it's, it's uh, a great opportunity. We, I visited two committees, and I think you, you were in, in those as well, the Cooperative Program Committee, uh, where they were talking a lot about seminary formula and the CP and, and other things. And then the Convention Planning Committee, which I'd never been in before. Yeah, that was a fun one, too. That was the most refreshing committee of the day. So kudos to Bill Towns and Lynn Richmond. Because uh, we're just talking, you know, just looking forward to Birmingham and beyond. And some good news. And, and this makes sense, actually. 
Everybody's yeah. worried about the traffic in Birmingham. Because yes. the traffic is not like through traffic. Right. The traffic levels in Birmingham and downtown around the convention center have dropped drastically. Only That's people great. who are going there are going through there. Because pe- people great. aren't using it as a thoroughfare anymore. It's just strictly, it's an endpoint. So it, yeah, they said it's that they went a couple weeks ago after things had been shut down. And they're like, the traffic is so much better now because of this. Because they're going so, around it. So that's yeah. really, that's very good news. That's good news. Yeah, it w- but it was just a fun as a light, you know, li- lightness in there and just talking about the plans. Uh, it was a great group of people. There's one committee member that I've known for years and years. Frankie K. Now, those were the ones that they were on the second floor. There were other committees that were happening on the third floor. I've been to the, con- is it the committee? Is it just the communications work group, I think? Yeah. I've been to that one before and the convention advancement work group. I've been I've been there in past years, but I, I wasn't up there. Now there was a lot of question about, you know, several of the things that the bylaws work group and administrative committee were talking through some, I think, from the plenary address on Monday night. And then also some things that I think were already on the agenda to discuss as far as constitutional amendments and things. Uh, But that committee spent a lot of the day in executive session. And executive session, that's a sort of a parliamentary category that a meeting can go into at any point because they need to discuss things that are sensitive. And so when that happens, they can go into executive session and do the work they're going to do. And then um, when they come out, they can tell what they've passed or they cannot. They did, I think, come out when we announced the motions and things that came in a few minutes. They did come out with one. Uh, But so I think the third floor was a little bit busier. There was a lot more going on up there, but I was on the second floor the whole time. Yeah, there was a lot going on. And you mentioned a few uh, motions that got passed through. So I'm going to fly through these. All right. Approved a CP allocation budget for next year, 2019-2020 of 196.5 million. That's a $2.5 million raise of the current $194 million budget and approved an executive committee budget for next year based on that at $5.8 million. They updated the seminary funding formula. Uh, I think that had to do with 21% of extension center students will be counted as main campus enrollment to help with the FTEs. Mostly that's for New Orleans because they're the really the only one that's operating a a full load of, of extension centers. Uh, Southwestern, I think, does have a few, and maybe the others do as well. Uh, the Pastors Conference will reimburse the Executive Committee for $100,000 for use of convention facilities. That's been kind of normal uh, that we've seen over the past few years. Uh, reelected Darren Elrod and Robin Harry to serve on the SBC Foundation Trustee Board. Authorized a 1.9% increase in Executive Committee salary structure. So that's a, like a cost of living increase type a pay raise that you'd see normally, uh, and then voted on a series of calendar recommendations, including what we'll talk about in just a minute, the Children's Ministry Day. They declined a referred motion about a ministry assignment for church revitalization to an existing SBC entity. Uh, that's come up a couple of times the last couple of years, both been declined. Uh, declined a motion to require officer nominations to include CP percentage. Declined a request to strengthen trustee training through the EC. Also declined a request to appoint a committee to amend the BF&M to explain the relationship between the Old Testament law and the gospel. And then they approved a request by the IMB to amend its articles in, of incorporation to include board representation from each state. The EC did this a couple of years ago. The IMB is following their lead and doing this as well. 
and responded to a messenger motion requesting the study of the Committee on Nominations processes. A couple other items of note here. Uh, Barry McCarty received his uh, annual contract to serve as chief parliamentarian this year in Birmingham. And Warren Peak presented a check of $118,924.22 to the CP allocation budget. That is uh, from the 10% of the net income to the cooperative program like they do every year from the Southern Baptist Foundation. And uh, I think that's it. Amy, you mentioned the bylaw work that was done. So why don't you wrap us up with the business with that? There were some constitutional amendments that were brought and the the EC passed a motion to recommend those amendments. So there was an amendment stating that churches are not in friendly cooperation with the convention if they have evidence in difference in addressing sexual abuse. And uh, the, it actually said they would add a section. So this is not in the example. You know, we've talked about that before, how you, you know, with faith and practice, it closely identifies with our confession of faith. I believe that's what it is. And then it gives by way of example. This is not adding to that list. This is actually another section to Article 3. So it defines a cooperating church as one that has not been determined by the executive committee to have evidence indifference in addressing sexual abuse that targets minors and other vulnerable persons and in caring for persons who have suffered because of sexual abuse. Then it actually defines it. It can be evidenced by, among other things, employing a convicted sex offender, allowing a convicted sex offender to work as a volunteer in contact with minors, continuing to employ a person who unlawfully concealed from law enforcement information regarding the sexual abuse of any person by an employee or volunteer of the church, or willfully disregarding compliance with mandatory child abuse reporting laws. And then Mike Stone said that adopting the amendment would make explicit what has been implicit already in our governing documents. That is, churches who do not deal decisively and biblically on issues of sexual abuse are not in good fellowship with the Southern Baptist Convention. They also uh, are proposing an amendment on racial discrimination that adds another section to Article 3, and that specifies a cooperating church as one that has not acted to affirm, approve, or endorse discriminatory behavior on the basis of ethnicity. These would be things that make Article 3 a lot bigger, and just they take what um, I mean, we've already done this. We disfellowshipped a, a church on the basis of racism last year. So it's not opening up the ability. It's bringing the language into something stronger to really say this This is something that we're very serious about. Now, just to be clear about constitutional amendments, this takes two years to pass. And that is not abnormal for a body of our size. That will come to the floor in Birmingham. It will need a two-thirds approval for both constitutional amendments, and then it will come back to the floor in 2020 to Orlando, and they will both, again, need two-thirds approval, and then they would go into the Constitution. So it's two different things, Amy? Right, yes. Not just one amendment of both? Yes, and I asked about this, um, but it seems like they are doing two, and the reason for that is they want to give the messengers... Okay. The opportunity to you can speak vote. to one and speak to the other. Right. To okay. vote clearly. So they could put them together if they wanted, but this gives the opportunity. But since it's two different things, right. it allows you to vote right. on this one and vote on that one. Right. It allows the sense. messenger to be raising their ballot very specifically and to speak discernibly about something. 
and then to do it again okay. about something else. So that's something all of you who are listening right. and are coming to Birmingham, that's something you're going to want to be in there. You want to be there for the executive committee report because it's serious business to amend the Constitution. Um, and you want to be, you know, p- participating in that. They also declined two requests. Uh, this was a, one of them was a, I think, a bylaw uh, question about barring elected officials from speaking at SBC annual meetings. This was part of kind of the Mike Pence conversation. And uh, so they did note they've updated the Committee on Order of Businesses orientation manual to highlight that SBC bylaw 2 requires the authority of officers in conference with the Committee on Order of Business when considering inclusion of other of causes other than those provided for the regular work of the convention. And there's a, a quote in this Baptist Press story that Jimmy Draper talked about how he declined a 1982 request by Ronald Reagan to speak at the annual meeting. So we've talked about how there are a lot of of, uh, elected officials who have spoken, but uh, Jimmy Draper gave an example when someone wanted to speak and the president declined. And so really, even though that bylaw change didn't happen, even though those requests are not uh, being granted, it was just a reminder that this is a question that is up to Committee and Order of Business and Convention officers every year and can be done either way. So in that decline, the EC wasn't making a, a judgment on whether or not elected officials should come, just whether or not it should be part of the bylaws. All right. Well, there we go. We mentioned the 10-year-old Zach McCuller. He got his own story in Baptist Press. We mentioned that as well. You do want to read this, and if you can, find the video that was tweeted out and actually put on Facebook, I think, too, by his father, uh, Scott McCuller. You can probably just search Facebook for that. You do want to read the story about Zach and his motion. And the Children's Ministry Day will be added to the SBC calendar annually on the third Sunday in July through 2023. What that means is the calendar gets presented to the messengers and at a, a meeting and they will present several years worth of calendars. And so it, what I think yeah. is messengers will vote on calendars going through 2023 and so children's ministry day is going to be on all of those so at future conventions yeah. we'll we'll do future calendars but yeah so future conventions it'll be 24 and 25 and 26 right. so we only schedule these out a few years in advance so in case things right. need to be changed but congratulations to zach great motion great reason to have a, another special sunday here in the sbc all right amy last friday some news from uh, Southern and Southeastern. Uh, both presidents of those institutions uh, issued some comments on their previous relationship and engagements with C.J. Mahaney of Sovereign Grace Churches up in Louisville. That church was mentioned in a follow-up to the the main presentation that the Chronicle brought uh, forth and included some quotes from Dr. Moeller and Dr. Aiken about their backing away from support of C.J. Mahaney. Yeah, so that it was a, a Houston Chronicle article that ran Robert Downen, who had been kind of one of the lead writers on the uh, original series, asked some questions about that situation, which uh, there have been a lot of questions throughout the years that, that had been posed to leaders uh, all over. And in, in this case, Dr. Muller and Dr. Aiken both uh, responded and just expressed some thoughts in hindsight about that uh, situation, how they, they processed it. And uh, Dr. Muller subsequently issued, you know, an apology, uh, said that he was wrong about some of the things the statements he had been a part of. Dr. Aiken spoke some about it and a little bit about the 
the support, which really came through having him as a speaker. And so he just answered the questions that the Houston Chronicle asked as well, just trying to, you know, in the interest of transparency. So that came out. Baptist Press had, had an article. There was a statement from Southern Seminary. Uh, and uh, there, there was quite, quite a lot of talk about that last week. Yes, there was, Amy. And we have some other seminary news. The good gentleman from Kentucky, Adam W. Greenway, has been announced to become the ninth president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There's a special called trustee meeting this coming Tuesday, February 26th and 27th, to vote on Dr. Greenway as their new president. Yeah, now this was this was big news that dropped on Monday. And uh, so it was kind of cool to see him at the EC meeting because, you know, a lot of times we, we run into him and we're talking about things, you know, going on at Southern yeah. uh, there and, and at Southeastern just catching up. But this time we said, all right, this you've got something really big coming up. And uh, it was just kind of fun to to hear from him his, I think, equal parts excitement and just recognizing uh, what a big task is ahead, you know, and, and a, a great yeah. responsibility. Uh, so Dr. Greenway has served in many roles. He's been, uh, he was vice chairman of the evangelism task force and then gave that presentation last year. Uh, he served several years back as president of the Kentucky Baptist convention. Um, he was a trustee for Lifeway and it was a board chairman at, uh, at one point he was there. He was trustee when I worked at Lifeway. I think that may have been the yep. first time I actually, uh, met him. He's currently the chairman of the committee on order of business and he has served as an assistant parliamentarian for a few years, uh, along with me and has been quite a friend in that. I've learned a lot from him. He actually was giving me some advice, uh, cause he's way ahead of me in certification processes. And so he gave me some advice on Tuesday, uh, which was really helpful. Very, very excited for him. The Whitfields are are thrilled. Yes, and uh, I, I'm kind of bummed, I must say, because every year at the EC meetings, the two meetings, we always have dinner together on Sunday nights. Him, me, Colby Adams. Right. We, we've kind of made this a tradition. And now he won't be able to come anymore because the council and seminary presidents have their meetings on Sunday nights as well. He's going to ditch you. Well, so, I'll tell you what. He's out of I'll the I'll tell club. you what. If you become a seminary president... You could have, have dinner, dinner with him on Sunday night, so maybe that's got a little bit of work yeah, to do, Amy. So I got a little bit of work suggest, to do. I uh, would suggest, I would suggest applying to some PhD programs as your first step. Yep, step yeah. one. We'll see. That that may be a lot to just have dinner with him. I could have dinner with him, right? Time. You, that there, there's that option too. Yeah, that'd be a little bit easier, a little bit cheaper. Yes, a little less yes. work. So as long as I buy, I bet he'd be probably cool with that. so. All right. Speaking of presidential searches, we also got a update from the executive committee search team, Vice Chairman Adron Robinson, also a, a listener of the podcast I found out this week, so it's good to talk to him. And uh, he gave an update saying they've got their guy, they just don't have a, a, an agreement in place yet. Essentially, he was up there kind of encouraging the members of the executive committee. This is coming. He even indicated there would be a special called meeting that would come so that it so that this doesn't run into June, uh, which I can see that. I mean, if you do this in June, that's doing it right before the annual meeting, and that's quite a lot uh, going into the annual meeting. So they will probably do this through a special called meeting, but I'm sure that sort of helped the other members of the executive committee just to know, all right, 
We don't have a candidate at this meeting, but they're really closing in on one. They've not officially notified the person of their intent to nominate him. Well, if they're listening, they they now know. Well, I guess so. Right. But I mean... So congratulations. There's no name, though. Yeah, I know. But if they listen to us, congratulations. Consider this your notification. So we will tell... After <laughs> we will we will be able to announce the name after because they told gave the order it is released to the full executive committee and then through Baptist Press. So once it hits Baptist Press, boy, we're going to be on it. Yes. yes. So as soon as as soon as Baptist Press puts it out, then uh, so will then we. we're gonna uh, we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. And this could really happen any day. Sure. Honestly, if they have everything lined up and they you know have an agreement in place to present him as the, the candidate, then, I mean, that could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. Right. Who knows? Right. We, we, we really yeah. don't know. Yeah. So sometime hopefully between now and June. Yes. And we would expect a special called meeting, like you said, at the executive committee building uh, to come in to have questions with the team, with the candidate to vote. He needs a uh, 50% vote, I believe, Is that if memory serves correct. We have a whole blog post about this. I probably should have looked that up. But... 50% of the vote, and if he gets it, he's in. If not, they have to reelect a new committee. I think that would at least be 50, 50% plus one, technically. Well, yeah. But, you know. Yes. But only in the Southern Baptist Convention could we have one candidate and still not get a majority <laughs> oh, hope, and tie or something. I hope that that's not. I hope that doesn't happen. That would be amazing. So, do you think. How do we get a tie right, with one So, guy? do you think. So, we've got IMB president. Um, the vote is yeah. coming next week on a Southwestern president. Yes. EC president looks like, looks like it's, we're closing we're close. in. Yeah. Um, now, Lifeway is really close. Really too. close as well. And so then we've just got New Orleans. Do you think we could get to Birmingham with all of the entity head positions? Settled? Absolutely. I all think right. so. So that means, hey folks, a lot of times on these sort of off years, it's not as, uh, it, it's not not as big, not as many people. Make your plans if you haven't already. Come to Birmingham. Absolutely. Special year with a, a lot of kind of new faces, and and we want to hear those reports. We want to meet those people and uh, get to just hear their leadership, their visions for these uh, different entities and committees and and things. Yeah, that's going to be weird. We're going to hear new people giving reports. This right. Year. At least four or five. Right. I mean, like that—that's really going to be odd. Yeah. So it's it, there's a that. lot of reasons to to come and to to be to be in the room. So yeah. Um, and I bet those uh, CP stage conversations will be interesting too because they're going to want to have all these folks on the CP yeah. stage just to get to ask questions and and things like yeah. that. So just to get some FaceTime. And- right. By the way, just a side note. Adron Robinson did a great job giving that report as vice chairman. The reason that the chairman, Steve Swafford, was unable to give that report is because I believe he had to leave for a funeral. And their report had been scheduled for Monday night, but they had moved it. And uh, so that's why the, the vice chairman came up and uh, did, a, did a great job making that report. All right. On Tuesday as well, I was in the room when John Yates got the news that the Missouri Baptists are one step closer to restoring the Baptist home and the Missouri Baptist University to the NBC family. The appellate court held up a ruling in their favor. So they are like so close with everything. The appeals court ruled for Missouri Baptists 
in, in this ongoing legal drama that's been going on, I mean, forever. They had won the case in September of 2017, and it had gone to appeals, and then the appeals court agreed with that ruling, and now they, the Baptist Home and Missouri Baptist University have until March 6th to file an application for a rehearing of the Court of Appeals in Bank or to transfer it to the Missouri Supreme Court. So we'll kind of wait until March 6th, see if they file anything. But we're getting close to the entire Missouri Baptist legal drama that's been going on for more than a decade, actually, to about 2000, 2001. So almost 20 years now. I think it's the longest case in Missouri history. I think that's what John Yates wow. said the other day. Uh, but we're, we're close. So, he, so we're that close was, to so that was a good day for him to hear that. Yeah. It was a great day for him. He was excited. He he opened up the committee I was in and just said, I got a praise report. I was like, yeah, you do. <laughs> I bet so. You've been watching that for a while, man. Golly. Yeah. All right. And finally, over to Gateway Seminary, where they are now being able to offer all of their master's degrees programs online. They got the final approval from ATS February the 15th to offer the final two from that they had not had online yet to put them online. So congratulations to those guys. Very cool. All right. That's going to do it for the news this week. There was a lot of news this yeah. week. And we're running a little bit long in the show. So that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go back to 1977. And uh, this was just an interesting headline that I stumbled on. Something that I really probably should have known about, but I do not remember. Um, and it was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, where a retired U.S. Air Force chaplain and his wife had turned a 24-year hobby into a ministry that resulted in a first of its kind, a national Bible museum. You know, they got one of those in D.C. now. I know. So we have talked a lot about the Museum of the Bible. Everyone has over the last year. But in 77... There was a um, a National Bible Museum. They had actually opened it in 1976, but it was 77 when they were uh, doing this story. It was in River Oaks Center in Gatlinburg. It was a Southern Baptist couple, Louie and Edith Miller. They have they had 300 volumes of the Bible in 120 languages on display, and uh, they they used the money from anything above operational expenses to go straight into Bible distribution programs. They had recently launched a drive uh, to ship used King James Version Bibles to uh, places where, you know, people read English but couldn't get that version. Lots of different things. They had artifacts that dated from 1500 B.C., early editions of the Geneva Bible, um, a King James First Edition Bible, earlier printings of the Latin Vulgate and a German Bible, and a facsimile of the Gutenberg Bible there. So really kind of just an interesting thing. They would give a tour. They also had some artifacts, just like the Museum of the Bible, a lamp dating back about 3,500 years. They thought the time of Abraham and the handle from a clay jar in which one of the Dead Sea Scrolls had been. So I really should remember this because in the 80s, I went to Gatlinburg a lot, but I don't. I did look this up in some other places, and it looks like they closed uh, a few years back. And surprise, surprise, I think at some point they had a wedding chapel connected with it because that's just what... Be nice, yeah. Amy. Don't you hate on Gatlinburg. I will come do. across the screen. Just, no, I, I was being nice. It's just what you do in Gatlinburg. But I just thought it was kind of cool because... Did you get married in Gatlinburg? That's what people do. I I okay. didn't, but that's what a lot of people I did, I didn't That's either. what a lot of people do. 
get married, play putt-putt, just, you know, all kinds of stuff. I loved going to Gatlinburg when I was a kid and have enjoyed it as an adult, but just because we're of... I'll be there in about four weeks. Yeah. So I'm going next I just month. thought it was kind of cool because we've talked a lot about um, a similar concept and the one in DC, which I know a ton of people who have been and I still haven't gotten to go. I really, really want to. I hope we get to go to DC soon um, and be there. Uh, but... There was another one. There was a National Bible Museum, and they were talking about it this week in SBC History. All right. Well, that's really cool, and I approve of any story that we can work in. Gatlinburg references. I love that place. So, so you, we'll be over there next month. Do you prefer Gatlinburg to Pigeon Forge? Both. You like both? Okay. I mean, it's like, what what kind of ice cream do you like? Right. Yes, all of them. Right. And I, I'm the same. So, I like both, and typically, if I go to one, I, I drive over and visit the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just kind of hit it all. Usually we stay in Pigeon Forge just because we have to have a lot of room. Right. So we get an Airbnb or we get a, a cabin or right. a, a condo or something like that. And um, usually we wind up in Pigeon Forge and we always have a day that we go. We'll go around 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll park at the parking garage right by the aquarium and we'll walk up and down the strip and go into little shops and do all that. It's what we do. Yeah. It's fun. Yep. I love it. It's a fun place. One time, funny story. One time I got off the elevator and Jill Wagner was on the other side and her family. And I was like, what are you doing here? That was kind of yeah. weird. So to run into somebody I know on vacation. Uh, when so. when I was a child, I was very, very obsessed with wax museums, which seems kind of creepy. That's yeah, weird. it seems as an adult, yeah, quite a a, bit. as an adult, that seems very creepy. Um, but, you know, that's if you're a kid that likes wax museums, Gatlinburg was the place to go if you lived in Tennessee. Yep. So that was what I did a lot. I would did like the Ripley's Museum and the Guinness Book yeah. of World Records Museum, all that kind of stuff. I loved that. We have a Madame Tussauds here in, in Nashville now at Opry Mills. Oh, interesting. I should go check that out. They have a, they have a Taylor Swift. I, sh- I should so. go check that out. Okay. Resources of the week. My resource of the week is a survey from Jason Lowe. And you may ask, who's Jason Lowe? Well, Jason Lowe is a associational missionary strategist in southeastern Kentucky. He's got a survey asking about ordination practices in the SBC. So he sent us a DM about this. I think you even saw a tweet about it. And he was asking people, we tweeted out something about it, but we're going to put the link in the show notes and you can go and help this guy out. He's got a survey out there talking about what your church does for ordination, those kind of things. Uh, There's been a big discussion with the uh, sex abuse advisory group. Uh, There was one of the recommendations was to raise the standards of ordination. My boss, Dr. Rayner, did a special post last Saturday on that. Huge response to that. So uh, go check out the survey, help this guy out, and uh, we appreciate Jason for getting that up and running. And uh, I'd love to see his results when he gets done. Very cool. Definitely do that. All right, Amy, your resource of the week is? Uh, Mine's one that I can't remember. I may have actually done this last year, uh, but I'm going to do it again because it's now being offered in print. It's uh, a book called Trinitarian Theology, uh, Theological Models and Doctrinal Application. By Amy's favorite professor. Yes. So it uh, the, this is edited by Keith Whitfield, and it has contributors Bruce Ware, Malcolm Yarnell, um, and Matt Emerson and Luke Stamps uh, working together discussing uh, different issues on the doctrine of the Trinity, bringing their various perspectives. So... It's, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a scholarly book, but it is uh, very important to a discussion that's been, you know, kind of 
has been raised to a little bit of a new level the last few years on some issues. And so uh, came out of a discussion that happened at the Evangelical Theological Society a few years ago, a panel discussion, and a lot of work's been put in to it. So it released last year in ebook, but it has now come out in print. So I'm uh, just throwing that out there for those who might be interested. All right. Sounds fascinating. And actually something that I would like to read because that's a, a a very interesting topic. Yes. That I, I don't think a lot of people have a firm, we understand it, but we don't like really can't articulate it well. Right. So I think it'd be, it'd be helpful. Yeah. So I'll, I'll check it's that out. It's got a cool, it's got a really cool cover too. I like the way they yeah, yes. have the, the yeah. triangle. Next week, we'll have a special episode with uh, Adam Greenway. We've, we're working on an interview with him. Great. We anticipate dropping an interview with Dr. Adam Greenway, who's being uh, voted on this coming week for the presidency at Southwestern. So keep an eye out in your podcast feed uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever that may happen, right. and we'll get that out to you. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then we'll have our regular episode back on Friday with anything else that will go on during the week. Excellent. All right, Amy, I hope you have a great weekend. I know you, you try to you try to catch up on everything after being out for a couple of days this week down here at the EC. So I know I was scrambling through email all day Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Uh, trying to catch up. And I, but, uh, and I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and because of that, the way the flights work, because of that plenary happening, the Tuesday plenary happening in the afternoon, our flight, we didn't get a flight until nine o'clock that night and it was delayed. So we got in, we got to our house at one in the morning. So I, it, it's taken me a little bit to catch up. So I'm still tackling those emails. Yeah. I was home by five o'clock. Nice. So, I remember what it used to be yeah. like to live there. <laughs> yeah, now if we could just get the rain to stop here in Nashville, that'd be right. Nice. So there's flooding everywhere. Our kids are out of school. It's it's nuts. But well, we'll we'll be all right. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week. See you next week.